1: You guys, welcome to another episode of Just the Sid. I hope you guys have a big ass glass of wine because you're about to laugh your ass off. I have one of the funniest actresses, comedians, authors, and scene stealers in Hollywood. Please welcome Michelle Buteau.
2: Hi, I. You know what's so funny? I am a fan. I am a fan. What? bitch
1: what What? don't freak me out like that do not freak me out like that
2: truly i was really missing chelsea handler when she left e and then i was so happy to see you nina i was just like look at all this brown titty black joy content into it and are those dimples they are bitch
1: they're only here for covid though because i gained about 15 20 pounds (laughs) it's so crazy because like obviously i think you are the most and your married last name is vandermost
2: i know i sound like a skinny white girl my like my government name it's so bananas
1: your government name matches your ankles
2: yes girl yes Come on, Wicky <laughs> Feet, come through.
1: <laughs> come that through with those adorable. skinny white girl ankles.
2: <laughs> I love that you watched the special. And thank you so much for watching the whole special because I know it's very hard to watch something in its entirety, even though we have time. It's just hard. And so I'm just like so thankful that people watch it from beginning to end.
1: Cheers. By the way, cheers to you. I have a confession to make. I didn't yeah. watch the special one time. I've watched it three times because it's one of those specials where you have to, like, show people. You're like, wait, you're going to come over to my house, and I want to watch this with you. Oh. It's just so good.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you said that because, you know, just doing comedy forever. Doing comedy before, like, Taylor Swift was born. Even when, like, Taylor Swift had curly hair. I've been doing comedy that long. And everyone's just like, where's your special? I'm like, I don't know. I'm waiting for it too.
1: When did you start doing comedy and what brought you to that stand up stage? Oh,
2: man. Okay, Nopra. God damn it. Well, I originally wanted to be a journalist. I really wanted to go into like, you know, entertainment reporting because I was like, I love to recap a story and wear a v neck. Let's go. And so I went to college in Miami and my professor essentially told me in front of the class, because we were going around saying what our major was, he said I was too fat to be on camera. And like, yeah, this was like 1996, 97. And I was raised to not question authority and to respect my elders. And I was like, okay, cool. But also I didn't see anyone like me on camera anyway. So I'm like, I guess he's right. And so I went into production and did my thing and was an editor, a supervising editor, field producer. And my co-workers kept telling me, you're so funny. You should do stand-up. And I would go to stand-up comedy shows and not feel seen because I'm like, it's all dudes. They're all 100%. like depressed, talking about smoking weed, trying to get the." d*** sucked. I was like, I do not feel seen. I like money in my bank account. I'm happy. I don't understand this world. And so I didn't feel like stand-up was for me, but I was like also so tired of just like producing basic bitches where I was like, God, I'm just giving my shine away for free. And so essentially, I was editing 9-11. I was like, oh, man, this is horrible. Life is so short. You just show up to work thinking that you're doing a good job. Might as well do something that you've been thinking about. And so I started comedy September 14th, 2001.
1: Wow. You know, it's so crazy because... I moved to Los Angeles after going through Katrina and a few other things that happened in 2005, but it was kind of sort of Katrina that pushed me to start living my dreams and not living everybody else's.
2: It's amazing so much death around you. And um, you're like, well, if the government can't get together, I might as well. You know what I mean?
1: 100%.
2: Yeah, and so um, it'll be really interesting to see the careers born out of COVID because people got yes. time on their hands to think and write and create, and you know we'll just see what happens because we've already seen what happens in the time of COVID with a race revolution, with an election. So if these yes. kinds of things can be born out of being home, right? Then, well,
1: yes. By the way, by the way, my cousin is now working as a diversity coach in new york he found a way to turn his blackness into a career i'm not gonna say what company he's working for because i'm gonna blow up his spot and he is now working for a fortune 500 company in hr
2: what this is look snap snap clap clap into it because now we are realizing you know being black is an education for people they need Mm. to understand and so i'm all about education through love which is why I love like Laverne Cox and um, Jonathan Van Ness and you know people just sort of making their own alternative lanes. In, I love um, the black
1: women. I just love you know those I mean? black women. Do
2: you know what I mean? And they're just making blue and red states fall in love with them. Yes. And that's what f***ing love can do. The power of f***ing being happy, bitch. Don't get it twisted.
1: But you yes. know what you also have, which I love, is that you have the freckles. <laughs> yes. You have the tiggle bitties. Yeah, And you're, you're like half, like you're like French Jamaican and you're like, you're all over the place. So you're like unassuming and you're disarming immediately. Like, I want to, I want to talk to you about everything.
2: Well, thank you so much. I do feel like- why do I turn into Obama at like every fucking dinner? But also it's cool, man. Like to talk about colorism and colonialism with people who don't understand. I'm just like, I'm here for it. If you have questions and your intents are good, I'm here for it, you know, but don't come at me and be like, who's white in your family. Cause I'm like, who sent you Hitler?
1: Comment.
2: 100%.
1: Don't come at me right now.
2: I can just hit somebody over the head with a tit and they'd be like,
1: "Uh, uh, uh." (laughs) you know, I'm so jealous of women. I
2: really
1: do you <laughs> like being doing? a woman? I love, I love sparkling being rose. A woman.
2: Yes, sparkling rose should be my nickname. I sparkling rose would be a great drag name, but I've already picked uh, because I'm dyslexic. I've picked Dick Lexia. But um, getting back to it, yes, I <laughs> I love being a woman. Like, let's be honest, I don't have a choice. Like, you know, I feel like I am born in the right body, which is a gift and this feels like i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and um it's taken me a good while to you know navigate the world of you know misogyny and the patriarchy and shame and that's why i have an essay in my book Uh, survival of the tickets called um game of hoes because i was really religious when i was growing up and i wanted to wait till i was like married to have sex and then both guys cheated on me. And so I was just like, you know what, this is time to like do me and thank God I did because I work The first time I had sex, I was like, this is amazing. I feel empowered. Which is Um, unheard
1: of. (sighs) Who was this white man?
2: (laughs) I don't know what he was. I think he was like, he was like a Sephardic Justin Timberlake. He had something going on
1: you better give him a good rating on Angie's list, honey, because if you had an orgasm the first time that you went up in there, how old were you? Oof,
2: I'm going to say like 18, 19. I was a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer considering I had like a full woman body at like 12. But, you know, to be honest, good for him, but it was really about me because I allowed myself to do whatever the fuck I needed to do in his Honda Accord in the parking lot of the him Hill <laughs> Mall.
1: Not a Honda Accord, a four-door? Oh, no, bitch. Come on. No you know that was, was leased? It was a two-door. That was the motherfucking car back in the cut. Like, if you had a two-door Accord or if you had a Honda Prelude, you were yes. the shit.
2: I know. Trust me. Trust.
1: You were everything. But it's so <laughs> crazy because you said something about feeling good in your body. And, you know, I grew up around big-boned women, big, thick women my yes. my life. Yes. And I didn't know about the skinny life until i moved to motherfucking la how hard was it for you to accept your womanhood as it is
2: well to be honest like the minute my professor told me in the 90s like some sort of scene out of a spike lee movie that i was too fat to be a camera i was like fair enough because he's probably right i've actually have done freelance jobs where i've done uh movie junkets and um didn't really know how to dress myself had a you know, I dress on with all buttons and would sit down in those director's chairs, which are like horrible. And like the buttons would be popping and I would get cut from the package. And they're like, you're really funny. You could write it, but not so much on camera. And so it took a good while. And I think what really served me was like the first, you know, 10 years or whatever, working in the TV business. I was just like, I don't deserve to be on camera. And then when I realized I should be on camera, I was like, no one can tell me. (laughs) <laughs> whatever oh it doesn't matter how you get God. there the back way or the front way as long as you get there
1: by the way if you don't put a f***ing billboard of your stand-up <laughs> special outside of that house on highway 95 in Miami <sighs> so he can pass by and see your big titty ass every time he drives to work you're not doing yourself a service
2: To be honest, he is just one person out of a whole umbrella of people that just think this behavior is acceptable. It's more about, you know, for me at least, dismantling um, the behavior and the notion as opposed to the person. But we all should have like that professor
1: that motivates us. I don't really get mad at people. What I get mad at is when people, and it it happens too often where people spread the wrong information. And I'm like, where the did you get that from a crayon box?
2: It's funny, people want to feel educated and emboldened, right? But it's like, we also have to check ourselves because social media is not where we should always get our facts. And for me, especially being married to a European, just listening to other outlets that aren't American is wild. And we do have access to it. So please try it if you get a chance. Because, you know, it isn't about you know, leaning toward one side. It isn't about infusing religion into your um, beliefs. It's just about the straight up facts. And that's what happens Amsterdam. when you go to a country that is older than yours. It's like, ooh, been there done that. They started the racist. Sh-. Now they over it. Sorry about Amsterdam. it. What's my bad. Amsterdam. Amsterdam. You know what's so funny? I was so tired doing that special that I f-ed up that word. Amsterdam. that's the Anthropoc. that's the up. That's a great way to say it. And so I just kept saying it.
1: What's your husband's name? Heis? He Heis. Heis must think know. America for the last 10 months was like a meth den. He must have been like, get both those two biracial children and we're getting the f- out.
2: We actually applied for dual citizenship for them because he is not a citizen. He just has a green card, so he can go back whenever. And I thought it was crazy that he was like, I don't want to be a citizen. I said, why not? I'm here. He's like, I don't... Like, he almost had a fruition. Basically, you know, real estate that we can't afford is our porn online. And yes. so we were just looking at stuff we couldn't afford and it. And so yesterday, they're like, we don't know what the f*** is going to happen.
1: A windmill. Two-bedroom windmill. <laughs> uh, Next to Yolanda Hadid's.
2: Is that your claw or you happen to see me? <laughs> Yes, Yolanda. Let's go be an alma together, honey. Yes.
1: And let's just get Gigi and Bella to come over and kick it.
2: Yes, but let's not forget about Anwar.
1: Oh, oh Anwar's doing just fine, bitch. <laughs> I literally watched your special. I'm telling everybody I'm going to drop this special about 25,000 times in this Love podcast. It. Love it. But I watched your special. And the one thing that I like, I was dying over was that you talk about dicks in front of your mama.
2: Yeah, she is who she is.
1: She, but she was like sitting there like, if this bitch is going to go about these motherfucking dicks right now.
2: So many things to say about that. First of all, my mom is conservative. She's a quiet, biracial, Jamaican Catholic woman. And so growing up where she would like straighten my hair and cover my freckles to take me to church and be like, don't laugh so loud. Don't stick your chest out. I'm like, I'm standing up straight is wild because now you know for her to be like I came to America so you could be you I'm like i like dude you know what I mean so it's like very wild but I felt like stand-up was always like a safe place for me where it would never get out it was like my secret you know what I mean my secret time for ownership and you know Wanda Sykes and Paige Hurwitz um Pusha Productions who produce a special amazing women have done last comic standing tiffany haddish's uh special um they ready fortune themesters like they know uh female empowerment slash stand-up comedy like next level they did not want me to have that second joke in there and i said you guys since the beginning of toy i have always been about people accepting each other's bodies and um especially for me sucking that when, especially when you're married, I'm just, I've never thought I'd spend so much time in someone's crotch. I'm just there. Do you know what I mean? I'm not a doctor, but I am, I see his crotch more than like my family. And so I'm just like, we got to keep this joke. And and Paige to her credit was like, if we keep this joke, I'm going to do a pan to your mom. I said, okay, do it. And so when I saw it, I was like, this totally encapsulates like, all the things. I was like, yes, bitch. This is what it is. Because she's silently happy, my mom. You know what I mean? I'm a good person.
1: And you make money now. You can, can, you, like, you're taking care of yourself.
2: Yes. And I told her, if you let me do what I want to do, like when I was in high school, like take an acting class or be in a play, bitch, we could have been like flying private right now. <laughs> so go in the line, not even TSA approved. And take your shoes off in that next bin. That's what happens when you don't believe in your children.
1: Meanwhile, you're like, because I started late, I had to borrow this motherfucking romper and this motherfucking shoes.
2: I mean, take it back. I'm so sorry for you.
1: But are you like me? Because I am the type of person who will talk about that whole life. But when it comes down to it, like, I can't bite the bullet on it. Like, I'm like, oh, I want to be a hoe right now. But I just I can't.
2: Oh, no, I was a hoe. I mean, I have a whole thing called Game of Hoes. Originally, it was called um, Bad Dick Good Times. But it really took me a while to get there. You know, like I was in very serious relationships, got super hurt. And then I'm like, Fuck it I was like. I was like one of the co-hosts of The Real. I'm like, this is my time. Time, 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 time. You know what I mean? I was doing Lonnie. I was doing Adrian. I'd like to say I was like Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride. I had to like, you know, cook all the eggs to see how I liked it.
1: You were tasting everything and giving critiques.
2: Yes. And I was like, please peck your dick and go.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You were Tyra Banks. You were like, the picture here. I know. Like
2: you are still in the running to becoming America's next top dick. (laughs) I mean, and I and you know the whole thing too is like just taking the shame out of it, man. Like if you want something, if you don't want something, if you want to celebrate your body, it's not about like going out (laughs) and like being sexual. It's about celebrating your
1: body for sure. I always tell my girlfriends in college because I was like, okay, you guys, like you got to treat your vagina like it's your sister. Like, would you just hand your sister to this dude? But if you do want to hand your sister to this dude, like, it's cool. Like, let's talk about it in a small group that we trust. Yes. Yeah. Circle of trust. Like, you know,
2: my friend, um, a very funny comedian, Becky Viduccio, you know, has three kids and she tells her two older daughters to treat their vagina like their iPhone.
1: That's actually because you wouldn't drop it. You wouldn't leave no, it, wouldn't it What's your protection plan? That is a. You know what? I'm going <laughs> to use that for my daughters. I'm going to use that for my future daughters. And you know what else we have in common? We have a few things in common. Oh my god! The one thing that we have in common before I get to the other thing we have in common is that you will. You're willing to fly three thousand miles for a booty call. I love that about you. You met That's your true. man in a f-ing nightclub, and then. You chatted online, and then you flew 3,000 miles to see his ass. Were you f***ing afraid?
2: One night stands are tricky, right? Because very. Yeah, you watch enough, like, Law and Order, and you're like, I'm going to die. I'm going to be the dead Dominican hooker at the uh, start of this episode. In Amsterdam. In Anthony. We met in Brooklyn, though. But, yeah, man, I'm very decisive, which is good. You know, like, yes. if I'm getting into something, I know it's bad. Like, I don't need friends to tell me it's bad. I know it's bad. If I'm getting into something that's good, I'm like, uh, you know, it never worked. Like, either I like them more, they like me more. But this was, like, such a weird feeling where I'm like, I don't know how to describe this. I can't put, a, like, a label on it. I just know that I want to keep seeing him.
1: So you got, you tasted it, and you were like, this is good.
2: Yeah, but I thought I'd never see him again. And then he texted me a couple days later and was like, I got home safe. I was like, boy, I don't even know how to say your name. Good for you. And then he texted me again he was just like, how are you doing? I said, I'm great. Then he emailed me, I said, why is he being so crazy? He emailed me a picture of um, us that he took in bed like right after yeah. and my boob was sticking out and the subject was, put this on your website. And I said, LOL, my boob's sticking out so I can't put it on my website. And so he Photoshopped my boob out and put a mustache on me and he's like, how about now? And I was like, I'm interested.
1: Yes, so, weird man.
2: Yes, it's, it's the little things. It's uh, the weird personal things. Obviously, everyone's different. But even when we like, you know, jumped into the whole long distance of it all, he still knew how to date me. You know, I would wake up every morning and he'd send me an email and I would wake up and the subject was song of the day. And he would just have like some weird song that, you know, reminded me of him like Ayers level like bring us back together or like the spice girl like it was just so weird and it was like the mixtape but like a deconstructed mixtape and then even when we would do like the travel of it all he would make sure that one of us had wi-fi who was ever on the plane and we'd text and we'd pick a movie and watch it together at the same time and text about the movie so i think it's really important to be thoughtful you know if you're with yeah. someone why take him for granted? Don't. You can make a moment even if you have no money. We were broke artists at the time. I mean, I was telling jokes in ripped jeans, and he had foreskin and was a photographer.
1: He's still Yes! Like that. That'll get you far, though. That'll That's get good. you far. We
2: already know I like more presents under the Christmas tree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when did you know that you were going to marry this motherfucker?
2: I knew after the first time I visited him that I loved him and I wanted him to love me. And so when I was leaving, I was like, do you think you love me? And he's like, I definitely have feelings of love towards you. I was like, that's not good enough. Do you love me? And he's like, well, we have to work towards that. I said, "Work towards what? I just used all my miles to come to Anthony. I said, no. And essentially um, I forced him to say, I love you. So you're crazy. Yes.
1: Damn, it! He was not ready.
2: No, it's a lot. A Haitian Jamaican that's a Leo,
1: look, just Google. But wait, but wait, when did you, because your husband is as white as they come.
2: He is. However, there is an old black man stuck in his body because he um, wanted to take lessons at 10 to learn how to play the guitar like B.B. King. In Holland, you know what I mean.
1: He so he's got the flavor.
2: He got the flavor, like he can quote all the deep, deep Prince, and he can cook.
1: But what was it like bringing your Dutch ass husband to meet the Haitian Jamaican side of your family?
2: Dope. I mean, like my mom is half white; her dad was from France. So you know, everybody in the Caribbean understands mixed tings and tings and tings go on, right? So like, it was great. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah my dad speaks eight languages but he doesn't speak dutch so he was like intrigued he was like you know something i don't i said for once (laughs) everybody has an accent at the dinner table it feels like the united nations over like roasted chicken it cray
1: (laughs) 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 oh my god i your kids are probably going to have the best time growing up you're going to be that mom did you always want to be a mom
2: I always want to be a mom. I want to be a boss and a mom before I ever want to be a wife. Like I didn't even like think about having a partner. I was like, no, I'm gonna have like that Josephine Baker, that Angelina Jolie. I'm gonna have a career. I'm gonna have yeah. some kids. So yeah. it's so nice I found a good person through a one night stand. So that's why I'm just like, open your mind, open your heart, open your legs.
1: But how old were you when you open your mind, open your heart, open your legs?
2: Well, I started doing the research at 24.
1: And when did you finally get your PhD? At 30. (laughs) That's not a bad run, a six-year run. That's not bad. That's
2: the same as a real PhD.
1: (laughs) It's the bomb. I'm still hoeing at 33. I got my, my knee is out. That's okay. I got TMJ.
2: That's a, so do I. Just get some fish oil. (laughs) Some massages specialize in that.
1: (laughs) Oh my God, I need a Dutch man in my life. Honestly, your book, you talk about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And something that you touch on that we don't really talk about in the black community very often is surrogacy.
2: Yeah, that's like apparently a rich people's thing. And um, it's not, you know, I realize going down this alternative family planning Route. I have become close with cancer survivors and um, gay couples and people just in a situation who just want to be a parent and have a family by any means. And so, yeah, it's bananas, especially being Caribbean. You know, you think you're going to get pregnant just like going to a dance hall. But... It happens with your body. And, you know, I'm just thankful that I, you know, had the means and parents to
1: help me, but everyone doesn't. And that's just like, it's such a bull, Right. This is my thing because I think women plan a lot. Like, it's like, oh, I'm going to be married by this time. I'm going to have a baby by this time.
0: Yeah. What's it
1: like? Like, coming to, and you don't have to share this because I will never know the experience, but coming to the realization that something that you always thought you would do, like carry a child, is not in your car. It's like, what is that mind? Like what's that process? There's
2: a lot of different hurdles. You know, there's a lot of different moments. Like the moment you realize that you need IVF, you're like, wrap your mind around that wrap your mind around the expense and what it does to your body. And then you go through it. You're like, not so bad. And then you cry for no reason in the middle of scenes on set. And you tell your husband, you want a divorce after he's just made a sandwich and left crumbs on the countertop. You're like, I-, I think it's the hormones. And then you see yourself on the screen and you have like seven chins. You're like, who the f- is that? You know, you go through like a miscarriage and you think you like are an open person. You could talk to people. You can't, that's another hurdle there's all these like different hurdles. And then like, once you finally get to where you're going, it's like, I've never been the type of person to give up, but wow. When life is just like, no, no, I had really good friends in my corner who were just like, good things can happen. Happy endings can happen. Like just keep doing you. So, but I will say like comedy saved me, man. It saved me in the beginning when I was, when I started comedy, cause I've, Feel like, not only did I find my voice as a artist, but I found my voice as a strong black woman to say, yeah. this is wrong. And this is right. There's no shame in saying that I like this, that I am sexual, that I actually like being a size 18, that I don't have to be on your f-ing juice diet all f-ing day. Like, I'm hungry. I enjoy food. I like cooking. Yeah, Don't shame yeah, yeah. a bitch. And, you know, going through IVF and surrogacy and then doing stand-up, it also saved me because I had something to look forward to. I, you know, yeah. got to be on stage and make funny. haha. ha I'm sure you feel the same way, too, doing your show. It's like, no matter what's going on in the world, at least you can go and have a kiki with your friends.
1: Well, you know, I always, like, thought that my show was not as important. Mm-hmm. I just always felt like For me, it was a fun experience and it was a masterclass on what I was learning to do, but it was also fun and great. And then when the pandemic hit, it became like, oh my God, I went from a janitor at the hospital to the chief neurosurgeon because people are like, I'm watching because I need to laugh for an hour and I need not to think about what's going on in life. So all of a sudden my job became like the most important thing in the world. And it's crazy because... To be able to like get on that set and just release yourself for an hour and not think about being single and being lonely and being in debt and being, you know, a black gay man in a white man's America. It's great. It really is great.
2: What you provide is representation that is so important where people can see themselves and not only see themselves, you know, the higher ups realize that, yeah, we're lucrative, man. You know, you can still make money. People 100. love us. People love you. And that's, that's really f-ing dope too. You know, like you, you were inspired by people, but you are also inspiring people as, as someone who has lived in LA and it is Amazing that you are doing what you do and people get to see you. Yes.
1: Thank you. You You're
2: welcome. I don't take it lightly. It's pretty dope.
1: You know, it's so crazy because I know my lane. I'm very honest about my lane. I'm not afraid to say where my limits are, but I got a call to do this movie. Marry me. And I didn't know that you were in the movie because the day I shot my scenes, you weren't in my scenes.
2: Right, right, right. That's insane. That's insane. That's so
1: f-ing crazy. But That's scary. Being on a movie set and having it? a, it's so scary.
2: Yeah, but you're on live TV like
1: <laughs> live TV is easy compared to that Look. compared to like getting on set, having to say your lines and like knowing that like you have to hit a mark. And then if you f- up, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez has to start over.
2: Look, Jen is a f***ing badass, perfectionist athlete, and I don't understand how she does it. She would know my line, everyone else's line, and because I'm dyslexic, I just like memorize things in a different way. And so there's a lot of times that I would like f*** out my mark or whatever, and she's like, no, baby, it's that. I'm like, okay. And, you know, when you have that dancer um, part of your brain that you you can memorize memorize quite quickly, but you do the same thing i mean award shows um the carpets, the live tv of it all you
1: have things that you have to say there's a mark you have an opinion you have a thought you do it boom boom boom, pow the funny part about it is i can sit and talk about things all day i can throw my mother on the bus i don't really like that no one's <laughs> safe with me yeah, i'm an equal opportunity shamer so i'm like whatever on live tv when it comes to writing a book I think it's so black and white and it's so permanent. Don't you feel like writing, you know, survival of the thickest it's like permanent and like your kids are gonna read it.
2: It was bananas. I mean, I think that's why it took me so long to figure out how to um, shape it because, you know at a dinner party telling a story, one thing storytelling show another thing stand up whatever even acting whatever but to put it in print it's so finite and it doesn't come across the same way and so you really have to you know pick and choose places where you need to give information um flesh out yeah. what's happening make it funny i was the first draft i was like Am I an asshole? I'm just a hoe. That's an asshole.
1: (laughs) I had to go
2: back. I'm just like, no, girl, you've been through some stuff. But the most important thing for me, and I tell my friends this all the time, and I really had to take my own advice, was like, don't worry about making it perfect. Just get it done. You can always edit and shape, but just do it. I mean, do you want to write a book one day?
1: I wrote one. I wrote one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Manuscript to Warner Brothers. We're now pitching the TV show now because we're going to try to do the TV show before the book.
2: I'm losing my f-ing tired mind. That is amazing.
1: But this is the problem. I have one parent left and okay. I think a lot of my truth yeah. may not be as, you know, sh- sweet as one might hope so I have to be really careful that my one parent that I do have left is ready yeah. to hear and read my truth. So yeah. I'm just I'm going with the motions, and I'm gonna wait for that right time yeah. where she is ready. And I just it's just a little bit different for me.
2: I, I get that. I understand. I really had to do a lot of editing to make sure that it comes across that I love my parents and that I did grow up happy, but these are things that affected me and that, you know, I learned through um, over time and then also through therapy that my parents are really just a man and a woman trying to do the best they can and get through the f-ing day, you know? So good luck.
1: And by the way, I bet you all the sh- that you used to say, like, when I'm a parent, I am not gonna do that. I bet you do all that sh- I mean, and then some, because
2: people were like, are you still cursing? I was like, and I'm at this point, I'm just like, look, if they use a curse word properly, then
1: I'm proud. (laughs) (laughs) Then I did my job. I'm good. If they can open a bottle of wine at 10, we Gucci.
2: Look, between your book, your dimples, all of it. I really hope you have really good sex today. That's just amazing. And that's all we could ever wish for in a day is a good ass Uh, orgasm and a nice meal.
1: Let me actually, this one question because my, my other boyfriend is audible. Yeah. I've been listening to some audible, like no one's business. Are you doing the book? Are you, are you storytelling? I did
2: it. I did it. I did it. Although. You know, full disclosure, I really want people to go and pre-order the book, Survival of the Thickest, out December 8th for any Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, non-denominational bullshit you got going on. I'm here to celebrate with you and stuff your stockings, start that f***ing rumor. But I did do an audiobook and I for real just realized how limited my vocabulary was and I'm just like, the thesaurus. What's this <laughs> word? Completely forgot.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait for you to be back in New York. So we can kick I
2: know, it. No, me too. I know. Just <laughs> kidding. Kick kick it. It. Okay. So if you were a real housewife, what would be your log line?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Oh my God. I think mine would be, I'm not always petty, but when you pull the lever, I'm ready. What is yours? Do you have one?
2: Of course. You know, I thought about it. She's thought about it. So the only time I make it rain is in Flint, Michigan. <laughs> yes! Um, I thought about it.
1: Wait, if you could join any city, which city would you join?
2: I couldn't do Atlanta because I can't wear fake eyelashes that long and I'm not good at fighting. I can read like what I'm in the mood, but I can't read all the time. And those bitches like go to a library, like I'm
1: RuPaul's drag race. They are doing it, but I like that they eat on camera. Like I know like Beverly <laughs> Hills, they never eat. Oh my like, God. I feel like in Atlanta, like you get all this. Cause part of the, part of the je ne sais quoi of being a real housewife is you get to go to all these restaurants and order whatever you want. And not pay for it, even though you're rich, it's still it's nice I to get know. free. And Atlanta girls be like, oh no, I don't, I don't know nah. what she did when hit her. Like, literally be eaten halfway through. Maybe, I think I'm between Jersey and
2: Potomac. Potamic? Potamic. Potomac? Potomac. Potomac.
1: Potomac. 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 I like Jersey though. I'm into Jersey.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah i mean i'm into jersey too and i understand the mindset of jersey where it's very don quillione like you disrespected me at my prosecco line party and yes. they like you know flip tables and like never hear the end of it so because i grew up in jersey i'm like i get it
1: i will say though if i could go on below deck and just get up for a weekend on that boat
2: i would go on below deck and get so drunk i would fall asleep on the toilet and miss all my three course meals maybe 18 course meals i would love someone to throw me a party i'm just like i just want to see green and see all these assholes bring out green shells like a dick i love it plus no one wears shoes i'm just like really not even flip-flops or a sock yeah
1: no not even flip-flops
2: I know. I'm just like, look at these sports. No one's got a wedgie. Everybody's just out <laughs> tucking their shirts in. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cutting. You know
1: mean? I'm cutting your ass off right there. We are getting the notification that you have no more time because you are one busy bitch. Oh my god. December goodness. 8th. Yes. Survival of the thickest. Part of that damn book right now. I can't wait to get my copy. Michelle, I f-ing love you.
2: Bitch, I love you more.
1: You guys, thanks for listening and do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity.